Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your also and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? Well, Kate, as you know, I developed laryngitis while we were doing our rehearsal podcast recording, which is oh, something no. that we do every week. <laughs> every um, week. And so I, I apologize to listeners that um, they're going to have, we're going to give them the rehearsal podcast this week. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not as good as the regular podcast because we save all the really good points for the regular podcast. Yeah. Um, but on the upside, on the upside, I did get all your former co-hosts to come back and we're going <laughs> to sing the Televerse theme song mm-hmm. at the end of the podcast. So many, so many potential. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, I, I was enjoying, I'm enjoying these bits that you've been doing. I'm not clever mm-hmm. enough to come up with them, but I am all for you coming up with them. That's delightful. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah. I, I worked really hard on that one, actually. <laughs> To get the wording and everything right. I worked on it pretty much all week. There we go. Well, uh, listeners, as you might have guessed from Noel's bit, we will be talking about Rent Live at the end of well, the show. live. Yeah, yeah, exactly. More on that in a while. Um, but yeah, this week, uh, mostly I just, you know, everybody I'm sure heard about Siberia. It was very cold here. Um, was it cold by you? Uh, we're getting a little bit of a cold snap and a wet snap, um, mm-hmm. starting Sunday. Um, but no, we, the, <sighs> Washington is weirdly insulated, I think, sometimes from, like, major cold snaps, which is interesting, given where we're located. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, January was super mild and very dry compared to what it is supposed to be historically. Mm-hmm. So we're getting all of that, at least within the next, over the course of this weekend. So we've been fine. We have not been having temperatures that are colder than Antarctica. <laughs> you know, like happens. Uh, the This week, I... We also don't live live near any massive lakes that just that, filter all that cold air out, cold air. which is exactly why when I decided to move or move someplace else other than Atlanta, I did not choose Chicago, despite my mom's wishes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chicago is lovely, despite all the things that are not lovely about it. Um, but yeah, the the cold this week has been pretty intense. I still taught. Um, I, I got ahead of it a little bit and um, emailed all of my parents. It's like, so they haven't canceled school yet. But when they do cancel school on Wednesday, let's uh, have lessons during the day. That will be less cold. Yeah. So I taught like all day on Wednesday and got so that I didn't have to teach on Thursday. So then on Thursday, I pretty much just didn't move. It was awesome. Yeah. But my dad did do the thing where you boil the water and you throw it outside and it turns into snow before it can hit the ground. Oh, which, right. That's always fun. Which is fun. And um, yeah, I, I was enjoying... weird, man. It is. Yeah, how about that? Thermodynamics, right? That's what that would be? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I was enjoying some of the looks on people's faces when I was like, oh, no, of course I'm still teaching. Like, auditions don't care if it was cold last week, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that's not how... Like, yes, of course, you know, like, travel carefully. If you don't feel comfortable being outside, then we can reschedule. But, like... I will, of course, be teaching. We don't stop. We're musicians. We don't stop working. 
because it's horrifically cold or hot outside. Uh, we just travel very carefully. We just like transport our precious instruments from heated location to heated location as quickly as we can. It was it was a whole thing. But um, I did find a chunk out of my car mirror, one of my side mirrors today that I don't know when that happened, but uh, I'm guessing the fact that it's been so horribly cold probably contributed. So that'll be probably. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that'll, that'll be fun next that. week. Yeah. And yeah. I also had fun taking about 20 to 25 minutes to park when it usually takes me like five. Cause I almost got stuck in the snow like three times trying to get into the garage. So that was fun. But other than that, <laughs> it's actually not been that bad. A lot of people have it a lot worse off than, than I do being able to control my work schedule and everything. So yeah, it was definitely sure. a, a, uh, a, interesting and cold <laughs> week um we should mention we've got a bunch of renewals happening uh friend of the show Allison shoemaker is about to head off to tcas tcas are in full swing at this point um so that means that we've had uh, a spate of renewals so sex education got renewed for season two which we're very excited about god friended uh -huh. me renewed for season two i have stopped watching it occurred to me that there is one other show i'm still watching and that is charmed i am still watching charmed so um not keeping up with God friend and me, but you know, I'm glad those people have money. That's a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, shameless, still on the air. Yes, renewed for season ten, and Fuller Houses was renewed for a fifth and final season. Uh, the The Stand is coming to CBS All Access now. This is is this a remake of the miniseries or a new adaptation of the novel? It's so funny that you asked that, Kate. Um. The This project seems to be sort of an amalgamation of a new project slash the film project that okay. they've been trying to get off the ground for a long time now, literally almost a decade. Mm -hmm. um, and they've been really struggling to get it going. And so this project, which is coming out, which the film was through Warner Brothers, so presumably this is going to become a television co-production through Warner Brothers and CBS. Um, will be a, I want to say, 8 to 10 episode adaptation of the novel. So totally new. Um, but yeah, it's just like they've been trying to make this movie for a long time. And it just feels like they're going, meh, we're mm -hmm. now we'll just we'll shove it off on that show on that platform that's got all the Star Treks. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to do it, I suppose. Um, yeah. I'm, are, are you watching the Star Treks or have you let your subscription lapse? No, I've let my subscription lapse, um, but I will be setting it back up because The Good Fight starts really soon. They dropped the trailer, and it mm -hmm. was a super good trailer. I, I haven't watched it yet, but people are very excited. Are they doing a musical? I think so, yeah. I think they're doing some sort of a musical episode, yeah. Because I was seeing lots of very excited uh, tweets about uh, Christine Baranski singing. And, I mean, because, of course, because of Christine Baranski singing, we're very excited. But uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that would make not sense. go see Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Excited, but excited, but excited nonetheless. Indeed, there will be a lot of people who I'm sure are very excited about the L World having a sequel coming to Showtime with some of the original cast. Of course, this week uh, they also had um, the you know, Shane, the actor who plays Shane on the L Word, was on Grownish, uh, or maybe that was last week. Um, so it, that was a fun bit of serendipity. It is, yeah. I've never actually watched any of the L word, which I feel like is a major oversight on my part. Um, but cool. <laughs> it's it's more interesting news than Brian Cranston doing a project for for Showtime with uh, 
Robert and Michelle King. That just makes me antsy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not into it's amazing that like I really appreciate Cranston's uh work as a performer, both comedically and dramatically, but like I still don't I'm not I don't care. I am yeah. not invested, which is you'd think I should be. That's interesting. Um the CW also renewed they did their thing where they renew almost everything. And yes. Noel looked this up, guys. So Noel is has it correct. And I it's not my fault. <laughs> but we we have legit uh, renewals for Supergirl and Supernatural, uh, Arrow, Black Lightning, Charmed, Legends of Tomorrow, which I think is the one we're most excited about, Dynasty, mm-hmm. The Flash, uh, Legacies, and uh, Riverdale as well. I saw people really remarking on Supernatural getting season 15 as like a big surprising thing. And I was like, oh, no, I'm way more surprised that we're getting Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, I am too. I'm legitimately surprised about that. Um, also, Legacies, I'm a little surprised by. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of them, no. Like, um, Dynasty's terribly rated down in the United States, but it's. And international deals are just so lucrative that basically it gets. The, the show gets paid for in its international deals. So there's mm-hmm. no reason not to renew it again. Um, and then, yeah, Arrow seemed like a foregone conclusion, at the very least, maybe a last season, depending on how Crisis on Infinite Earths and whatever Oliver struck with the monitor and yeah. the crossover. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, but like you said, Legends of Tomorrow is the big surprise here, but I'm okay with that. Also, it's still two more months until we get a new episode of Legends of Tomorrow, Kate. I did look at those episode titles, though, like you suggested. Yeah, they're real good. So good. You did not overhype that. They are so good. I'm very, very excited for the second half of the season. Oh, it's going to be good. Um, on a wildly different tone, um, we need to mention the horrific hate crime against Jesse Smollett that happened this week in Chicago. Um, I, I, <laughs> I'm interested for to to use to to not use my actual language on this but i the the descriptions of this as potentially racist when these pieces of shit put a noose around his neck is really uh amazing to me but um yeah he was he was beat up by two guys in chicago uh after being um yelled uh yelled at with uh, homophobic and racist epithets epithets um he is recovering he is you know physically going to be fine um can't imagine how long it takes to try to do, process that stuff emotionally and psych- uh, psychologically but um just i'm very glad that he's okay physically and hopefully they will catch those pieces of shit because that's just and seeing some people be like surprised that there's racial and homophobic tension in Chicago. It's like, uh, do you know? Do you realize the country we live in? <laughs> yeah, you, no. Have you ever like that's... Chicago is wonderful. I love Chicago. Do not get me wrong, but Chicago has a long history of racism. It's one of the most segregated cities in the country. Uh huh. This is like when people tell me, yeah, no, Oregon just seems like super chill. I'm just like, Oregon has <laughs> a significantly large history of segregation and racism. This is not something that's isolated to the South. Please stop pretending that it is. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. So our thoughts are with Jesse Smollett and uh, you know, Journey Smollett Bell and, and the rest of his, his friends and family and hoping for a, a speedy recovery. Um, physically, psychologically, emotionally, and oh, I really hope they catch those guys. They're, they're the there was potential like video footage of them 
from the who they think that the two guys were at least they don't have footage of the actual uh attack but they have around the same time frame two guys in the same area so they think they might have at least uh, a lead on catching these guys so we'll see what happens but um but yeah hoping for a speedy recovery um the it, go watch ellen page on on uh stephen colbert she would she said much more eloquent things than i would be able to say and um yeah we're going to let me cool down a little bit here while we listen to some music and come back with a full weekend tv and then a shortened spotlight segment because goodness knows we're going to talk less about rent than we thought we were going to a week ago today. So we'll listen to a gratuitous karaoke moment and then another one. We'll be right back after this. And then there's a section where the song gets quiet and you hear all the glasses clinking in the room. We take each other in where we are until we awkwardly remember that we're on stage at a bar oh, right. in a gratuitous karaoke moment somehow we are both doing this move gratuitous karaoke moment sadly this film does not improve after this gratuitous karaoke moment in ten years you realize the scene doesn't hold up That was a gratuitous karaoke moment from this week's episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. We're going to talk about that episode. I am, I am almost over you. And then we'll move on to Full Front with Samantha B, um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Four Movements, RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars, Queens of Clubs, then go to The Flash, Memorabilia. I'll talk briefly about that and round things out with Supergirl, Blood Memory. So first up is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and this was their rom-com episode, um, and I saw the song from this before I saw the episode, and I was like, I don't, this is not a good song. I'm so confused. Um, and then I saw the episode, I was like, oh, this makes perfect sense in context and works really, really well. <laughs> it doesn't, I don't, I don't think the song is even that good outside of the context, but that's kind of the point. <laughs> yeah. Which is because it's gratuitous, Kate. Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't need to wait ten years to look back and realize the scene didn't hold up. Um, out, you know, in, without the context. But I actually was amazed at how I was enjoying the episode as it went along. Great stuff for George. Great stuff for Don't Be a Lawyer. Football. <laughs> and who was the character? Don't Be a Lawyer character. Oh, I can't remember his name, but yeah, no. But like, um, he was so on good. point. Like each yeah. of those, like quick, like pivot into into frame, you know, with an update mm-hmm. things were just perfectly timed and toned. Uh, I was really enjoying that part of it. Um, but then when they get to the big turn, emotional turn, I was like, oh, Rachel Bloom, <laughs> McKenna, you guys are you're really good at what you do. You did it again. I thought this was a terrific episode. Yeah, I really liked this as well. I really appreciated this idea of a literal dream sort of episode um, as a framing device since like musicals and how musicals get deployed and how the number itself is figured into musicals. They've never like the musicals have always sort of been in this kind of liminal space sometimes for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend where they happen, but they don't happen. But sometimes 
we all agree that they happen. <laughs> and so I really appreciated that this was just kind of a big full on sort of dream sequence. Um, but purely motivated by the fact that he's Nathaniel has only watched like the first hour of any romantic comedy. Um, <laughs> so he doesn't get the turn in any of those. And that's where everything sort of goes awry in this episode. So I think that there's just a lot of fun that they have in lampooning various um, conventions of the romantic comedy slash the devil wears Prada. Um, I want the sixth, Girl with the dragon tattoo book, but they didn't write one. I don't care. And the, the other is dead. <laughs> yes. But also Paula being very concerned about the big presentation. The big presentation, Kate. It's the only thing I care about. Um, no, all of this is just really, really funny. And I appreciated that there's this nice arc of the concept of um, Maya and Nathaniel potentially being sort of a thing that happens and then the show going we're not going to do that come on let's be very realistic here (laughs) and instead having having rebecca show up in the dream sequence and the whole thing sort of be a um switcheroo type of thing was just like you said really good and real good sort of gut punch um and so the episode is just generally really strong and very self-aware, like you were pointing out with gratuitous karaoke moment. Not being a very good song, but that also very much being the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the uh, the the last scene we get with Rebecca and Nathaniel that actually happened. He's like, yeah, no, it's like I was experiencing this genre. Like, R- Rachel yeah. Bloom. Go uh, on. <laughs> her, her performance in that moment was just so delightful. It was really, really good. Um, but the way that they, the whole cast just captured that 90s rom-com feel um mm-hmm. it's just it's so much it's just so much fun to see and the right level of executing the trope and lampshading the trope and 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 being aware without being smug or better than and embracing the parts of it that really do work um yeah it was it was a it was a, it was a super enjoyable uh, episode one of the highlights i think of the season though cat mm-hmm. still has my heart <laughs> but yeah no i think that's fair but yeah i no, mean it's Sk- good skylar austin with a gray blazer and then two sweaters draped <laughs> over his shoulders also has my heart <laughs> yeah oh good stuff good stuff man you should go to your boat oh yeah it's called the gray yeah very nice. Um, okay, let's move on. I was just having a little moment with our with our rom com alter egos or alter ego characters, whatever you want to call them. Um, let's move on though to full frontal with Samantha B. Absolutely, completely different. Um, what did you think of this episode? How are they doing recently? They've been doing okay recently, but in this episode in particular, um, I really, really liked. It's a little more hodgepodge sort of an episode of all right. We're gonna do a quick profile on Roger Stone, which was good and entertaining i mean the roger stone stuff was covered pretty heavily across late night stuff but that there wasn't as much sort of a huge background on stone across those because a lot of people a lot of comedians basically zeroed in on the fact that roger stone wears ridiculous clothes as if he's about to defeat batman or as a james bond villain as opposed to just being this weird self-styled provocateur um yeah no kate just rolled her eyes listeners yeah i was worried i was gonna break them mid-roll yeah 
So that was really good. And then they did a segment about military spending, which I really enjoyed. Um, and then they did a send up of police, tra- of tra- police training videos complete in a VHS quality sort of, uh, um, image quality with, uh, Niall DeMarco, um, about deaf and hard of hearing policing. And this was really, really good as well. And I really appreciate sort of the departure from the, Trump world of it all, which we've been kind of heavily focused in on Full Frontal, to do something like this. And it was really good. It was really interesting. But it was also very funny. Mm-hmm. I particularly enjoyed the the read my lips thing that mm-hmm. they did. It's like, it's not a thing. It's a thing in movies. It's a thing in TV. And there yeah. are some people who have been specially trained to be more able to interpret that stuff. But the average person cannot do that. Um, and, and, and their pivot to like just pulling out the audio and then having her be yelling. It was very effective. And, uh, yeah, this is like, like you said, it's not that I don't like the various spotlights they, they throw on Trump related topics. It's because I do value that too, but this is the kind of topics that I would like to see more of here and in other, uh, like, like, uh, last week tonight when it comes back and some of these other shows as well, where it's the, these other issues are still happening and, and being fed with all sorts of hateful and, uh, uh, bigoted, um, energies and motivations from, you know, the top down in the administration. So th- th- that's having a, r- a ripple effect throughout our country. And some of these were significant issues before we had the Cheeto in chief. So, um, really, I mean, all most of these things were issues before the the Cheeto has just exacerbated them. But the point being, um, I really love that they spend the time on this and bringing in Nile DeMarco was super fun. Didn't know who yeah. that was before the segment, but now I do. <laughs> yeah, no, I knew about him from him popping up on Dancing with the Stars, mm-hmm. um, and that was about it. I didn't know he was on America's Next Top Model. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so it was a fun episode, and yeah, certainly one I will be enjoying. They're starting season four next week. So okay, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It doesn't super matter with a show like this, but doesn't okay, matter. guys. Yeah, you do. It's for the production budget only. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, we had Brooklyn Nine Nine Four Movements, which was the big goodbye to Gina Linetti and Chelsea Peretti episode. It was super fun, and uh, I. I a delightful way to send away that character. I anticipate she'll be back at some point for special episodes here and there. Um, but it was after, cause I thought the way that the previous episode ended, which was being so centered on Jake and Gina, uh, that, that that would sort of be her swan song, but then to do a whole special focused episode was really fun. It also really highlighted for me that a lot of other people, most other people care way more about Gina than I do. I enjoy yeah. her. Don't get me wrong. Chelsea Peretti is a very funny person, a very talented actor. Um, but uh, I didn't need her to have a goodbye with everyone. But it kind of makes me like the show more that they did. You know? Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. I, yeah. I haven't watched the episode yet. I'll probably watch it tonight after we get done recording. Uh, but we're sort of in the same boat when it comes to Gina um, in that she's a very good character and Peretti's performance is good. But the show does fine without Gina, as we learned when Gina was just gone for like a whole stretch of the episode while Peretti uh, was on uh, parental leave. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm very much like, oh, this is sad, but 
your point about the show taking the time to do that, I think speaks, like you said, volumes about where this show sort of empathy is and also they couldn't realistically i feel like just have her disappear since the last time they excused her disappearance was her getting hit by a bus <laughs> so i think that they needed to do the exact opposite of that and really focus on having connections mm-hmm. with everyone in the precinct so I, i'm looking forward to watching this yeah um since i knew that this was going to be Peretti's goodbye episode i was just like all right let's let's kind of watch this and yeah. so yeah no i'll be watching it um tonight yeah. Well, I look forward to your thoughts once you've had a chance to see it. I also look forward to your thoughts on Queens of Clubs from Drag Race. So this is the All-Stars episode where they the queens have to design. They're in teams of two and one team of three, and they have to design their own club night. So they get a certain amount of space, and they have to come up with the design. They paint it. The, the, the production team finished the painting, but they did about, like, three hours of painting. Um, and then they picked out all the props and designed the space from, like, a prop warehouse and then they have to have um of course themed costumes and uh a cocktail they needed to come up with the name of their space they needed to have entertainment and with audience participation and the queens were getting uh judged on their hosting it was a lot of different challenges kind of all rolled into one which i really appreciated i was we talked about this briefly last week i was worried it was going to be too restaurant worthy and for me it ended up actually really working um, but I could see how maybe that wouldn't be the case for you or for other people watching. Like, what, what, do you think that they pulled this off or was it too derivative? I don't think it was too derivative. I think it generally worked pretty well. Um, I think that, yeah, it's a weird challenge. Like it's a super weird challenge, mm-hmm. um, because it's a sketch challenge, but also not a sketch challenge. Yeah. It's very weird and it's just i don't know quite what to i don't think a lot i definitely don't think that naomi and valentina necessarily knew what to do with it um naomi had a much better sense than i think valentina did which is something valentina is sort of acknowledged in post episode interviews of like yeah i didn't really understand what was happening here Mm -hmm. and i got very sort of distracted by all of it and so you can you can see that play out throughout this episode um but I think that the episode overall, the challenge is really good. And it helped that Latrice didn't want to sabotage anyone yeah. in the team pairing. So it scaled down the drama to basically the two people that no one really wanted to work with. Um, from a perspective of, well, no one really wants to be with Valentina. And we all like Naomi, but we all don't really know Naomi is like the very much the vibe that was coming across this entire episode of like, yeah, no, not that. So that's where it came across. And like, this was very kind of a clicky episode, but it also emphasized everyone's strengths so much that I, the general execution of everything, I think worked really well. Yeah. Now, also which, club 96. I was going to say, which club are you going to go to? Is it club 96? I mean, I feel like for me, none of these I would be at home. But if I had to go to one of these clubs, yes, it would definitely that is the be the correct black answer. hole. Yeah, no. Um, I think I'd probably go to the black hole for a little while, but then I'd I'd close the night out at the hive. Mm-hmm. Um, as I think has how that would go. I would start at the black hole and then finish at the hive because I. I like the idea of a strip spelling bee. It's great. Rethermison. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Trinity was the clear winner. Of this whole thing in her hosting. Yes. I thought yes. it, for me it was Trinity, number one, and then 
Monique and Monet number two. And yeah. then because of her sickening look on the runway, Latrice number four. Yeah. Um, yes. And then the, then Manila and then the last, then Naomi and then Valentina, the right person went home as far as I was concerned. But it was, it was interesting with, cause they needed Latrice to be in the top for the narrative and they needed yes. her to be in the top to justify bringing her back in the previous yes. episode. And she did deliver on the runway. Finally, she gave something different. Yes. And they wanted to reward that. But um, it really, like, as far as the hosting, because, like, they call it a design challenge, but I don't, if it was a design challenge, no. Manila would have won because she yes. designed the hive. And yeah. that was definitely the best looking of the, and most inventive use of the space of any of those yeah. three clubs. And so when they didn't reward it, reward her, or even really mention the design. No, they didn't. At yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, that's weird. Then, then clearly this is not, this is a hosting challenge. Trinity was the best host, very closely followed by Monique and Monet. Um, and so I think they just couldn't pick between Monique and Monet. And so they're like, let's just give it to Latrice. That'll help our narrative. That'll help these other elements of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, the, um, I gotta say, Monique and Monet, especially Monet, are really climbing towards the end here. They are having the burst of energy and momentum right when you want to have it. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and I, you know, if you had asked me a couple weeks ago, is Valentina going to make it to the end? I would have said, of course. But, she is like she is not delivered and it was absolutely her time to go home and i just i really need naomi naomi to step it up next week yeah i mean naomi knows that if she's in the bottom she's gone yeah because everybody else has a win yeah everyone else has a win and more importantly everyone likes one another yeah (laughs) and they know each other more yeah yeah yeah. So I think that Naomi's like in like Naomi basically has to get all the way to the finale it to go anywhere because if she's in the bottom once she's done. Well, and that's the thing they're down to six now, and usually yeah. it's the top four for the finale. So there's only two yeah. more eliminations. Yeah. Um, as we record, I know what one of them is, and I've seen that episode, and you have not yet. No. Um, and we will talk about it next week. I yeah. will look forward to your thoughts. The next episode is the makeover challenge, which is always fun. And there's a lot of yeah. really lovely stuff with Judy Garland in there too. More history okay, than you should do. The show's going for its submission, its Emmy submission episode. <laughs> yeah, and, no. And the, the makeover challenge is a good Emmy submission for any of them. Um, yeah. Because I was actually explaining the makeover um, challenge, makeover episode to my person. Cause she was like, Oh, this seems neat. And I was just like, they do this every season. This is this is like a cornerstone of the franchise is doing yeah. these makeover episodes. So I mentioned like the crew makeover episode, the military makeover episode, mm-hmm. a couple of other ones. And she's just like, oh, that's really fun. And I was just like, yeah, the one where Trinity had to make over a guy and had to get that tuck just right with that big thing of tape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of Trinity, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel about Trinity's um, outfit for this, uh, for the, um, for the uh, lip sync? Because I was like, not crazy about it yeah. on a couple of levels based also on the fact that this was okay, but the maxi pad <laughs> dress was not. And I have so many questions about just the ageism, the nudism, Mm -hmm. and everything that's built into Trinity's look versus, yeah, no, not a bloody maxi pad. The horror. Mm -hmm. The horror. Yeah. No, that was a very big swing, and I commend her for taking a risk like that. However, it doesn't actually connect with the song in any meaningful way for me. Um, and so that it didn't, 
I, like for me, it didn't connect, but I know some people loved it. I, I I thought it was very funny, but I also love that you think that that was a big swing. Whereas my person and I both went, she did that on purpose. She chose that ridiculous outfit on purpose so she wouldn't have to eliminate Valentina. That was her plan <laughs> this entire time. It's also it's very possible. It's very possible. <laughs> and Latrice won, but she wasn't like doing anything amazing. No. And uh, she kind of won by default. The judges were just like, we don't understand what this is. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I look forward to your thoughts about next time is all I can say. <laughs> the, 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 just the politics of who gets eliminated and the dynamics in the workroom and awareness of the, the fans at home or something that I find one of the, it's one of the most interesting aspects of all stars. And, yeah. um, that's all I will say. So okay. next, unless there's anything else you wanted to touch on. No, no. Tell me about Flash memorabilia, since I have I'm so thoroughly checked out. Though I didn't read a recap for this episode. I am uh, I did, I'm surprised to really have enjoyed this episode. Not surprised, but uh, the the stuff with Nora has been a terrific like shot in the arm for the for the Flash this season, and the performances have all been terrific. This is the kind of episode that I love when a genre show can do, which is come up with the MacGuffin excuse for characters to like go inside another character's mind and see see things and learn things and and experience someone else's perspective and and their life and uh, i thought that they did that in a really fun and inventive way and i thought it made sense i liked the tension that it propelled within nora and some of the other characters i like uh the way it's so far I reserve the right to rescind this, but I think I like what they're doing with her big secret and, um, and where that may be headed. But, um, if it is what I think, then that's, I'm surprisingly okay with it, but we'll see. And I liked having these little crumbs towards what is going to be the last push of the season. We're only 12 episodes in though. We got a long way uh-huh. to go. You have you have a, you're only halfway through the season. Yeah. yeah. So they're gonna have to tell us and then and tell the characters and then pivot to a la- a different final arc is what's gonna have to happen. The stuff with Cicada is not working as far as I'm concerned. But this episode really centered not on him but on his niece, and right. that part I thought really did work. And I like okay. I like the choice that she makes in this and the idea of you can only help people who want to be helped. And um, so we'll see what happens with that the rest of the season. But I, but it was a fun episode, a neat thing that you can pretty much only do in a genre show, or at least with a genre episode of a regular show. And I wanted to mention it for that reason, because good job, guys. I like when you do, when you go further out there. Um, and hopefully we'll be seeing um, Jesse L. Martin back to The Flash soon. He was up and walking around um, at the at the Rent music, live musical. So, you know, clearly he's recovering from his back surgery and hopefully he'll be back on flash soon. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Our last episode of the week in TV is Supergirl, which had their big Neonal origin story episode, blood memory. Uh, what did you think of this one? How did they handle everything with Nia? I thought the stuff with Nia was generally pretty solid considering the fact that we got introduced to a lot of this, this week. Um, but I think that there's just a really good handling of both the sort of 
coming out of like I'm transgender and then dealing with the ramifications of that through her family and through very specifically through this power getting passed um, and how that was played out between her and her sister mm-hmm. and the the sheer amount of bitterness that came out through that as a result. Um, I really appreciated the dramatization of that. And then this a uh, moment of empathy that the show does really tends to do really well with sisters and that kind of a thing with uh Kara revealing her identity because Kara could care less at this point about her identity except when it comes to the federal government <laughs> um, but I think that there's still plenty of it was a good way to like bring Nia uh Nianal into the fold and so I'm really eager to see what happens next week um since she suits up next week Mm. um as the promo demonstrated and i've also liked just the symmetry of this episode of like all right alex doesn't have that degree of empathy that she grew up with and as a result it's changed her very drastically personality wise and i really like this concept and so showing how tolerance shifts and even if you grow up around it you may not necessarily have it um, I think it's just really good. And as a result, I think that the episode is generally pretty strong, basically right up to the end, because all the action stuff I think is really kind of muddled. And the pills are sort of a not great way to sort of give a action sequence to the episode. But I do like that it still allowed for these more dramatic moments to come out. It was interesting for me uh, following this episode because I, I, I saw the I wasn't able to watch it until after I'd already seen some of the reactions online. Uh-huh. And I did enjoy the episode, but it was very uh, it was very interesting to see the reactions of of queer viewers and trans viewers specifically sure. talking about like being so grateful to have this representation and have all this really wonderful stuff in this episode. And then in the same episode, kill off the, the only like maternal support figure reveal that the trusted loved beloved sister is actually not accepting and has been lying this whole time at like a, at a deep root base level is yeah is you know like like is it to just feel like oh yay our safe space no be, beat up within that safe space a- again um it was there were a lot of really strong reactions um back and forth and it was very uh elucidating for me very enlightening for me so i was really grateful that that there's so many people having these conversations on twitter where i could you know observe and and think about people's responses and 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 all of that and um i thought that the stuff that we are getting i still love the stuff that we're getting with nia and and uh cara i like that they finally were just like okay we're just gonna tell her because like this is ridiculous at this point and also the fact that what pushes Kara to that point is not having her sister to talk to, that she needs someone to talk to. And if that can't be Kara, if that can't be Alex, I should say, it makes sense that then she instead reaches out to this other person that she can really relate to who needs someone who can, who understands her and this really difficult time. Uh, they also like glide right over her being upset that her, her mom is dead. Yeah. Um, like way too easily that if if she moves beyond her guilt at her not being able to to understand to stop it that makes sense but like she's like chipper <laughs> by the end which is not 
it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I liked the other stuff we were getting, um, at least so far, with with Brainy, with uh, Alex. I really like this, um, th- that they're willing to go to a darker place with Alex and basically have, have them go like, but like some of her best friends are aliens. It's like, yeah, that's different. It's like, yes, she's able to compartmentalize those people that she cares about very distinctly and very clearly there are lots of people who have a a a family member or a dear friend who's part of a minority group who loves that person with their whole heart and then at the same time supports (laughs) discrimination against the group that their their loved one is a member of like widely and in in their everyday life like these are this is not a crazy thing but it i also totally believe that Kara would not understand that or would or would not be able to like foresee that because she's so good hearted and, and she can't imagine you know these these the potential for even the kindest and best person she knows to have this alternate version I don't know what, what did you think of that I think that the way that they're executing this like you said is just really smart and I'll, I mean a lot of this does as they seem to want to do with this kind of stuff is sort of rely on Kara's naivete to a certain degree um, to make their point about, yeah, no, this kind of stuff. Or, yeah, you you may be okay, but you also pass for human (laughs) type of stuff. And I think that that is a well that would normally sort of be running dry, but I think that they keep finding ways to personalize it enough, like they do here, that it feels much more earned and motivated by how Carr just kind of takes a number of things for granted to a certain degree and doesn't necessarily see past herself, but is also very quick to come to the realization about what this means and try to work within that new understanding of things. So I think that there's a real good amount of potential here from just a nature nurture storyline type of perspective, but also from a, all right, well, how do we deal with this? And how does Carr continue to internalize this? And I think that that's really interesting and even more interesting will be, I'm assuming based on whatever they're setting up with the um, Kaznian Supergirl and them calling for someone in America who two guesses on who it's going to be. And I'll let you not, I'll let the first one not count Um, that. I think that there's just really good concepts of like what we're raised in and how we respond to that and what that means for us. They're really interrogating this really nicely so far, I think. And I'm really excited to see what they're going to keep doing as the season goes on. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm a little more uh, on board with or, or, or skeptical of the idea that they're not that they're going to resolve this quickly. I think they're now feeling oh, yeah. well, this, this is going to be a longer term thing. And that's actually more interesting. It's significantly it more interesting. Yeah, it's significantly more interesting than fixing it in um one like, episode yeah one two three episodes yeah, yeah. so you know we'll, we'll see i don't i just hope they don't i don't want to lose alex you know what i mean right no i mean they have to undo this eventually yeah but because the, sh- the show will suffer if they don't undo it they also need to 
show how it affects her and not have her lose these memories of this version and have yes. her impacted by that moving forward like the way that they have progressed john and like the fact that he's no longer at the deo and he's 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 significantly changed as a character um and not just in his plot but in through his interactions with his father i feel like they really have shown some progression with that character in interesting ways i need them to do that with alex in a way that they mostly haven't so far uh, a little bit with her relationship of course her her, her um Coming out, of course, was it was a huge part of her uh, awareness and coming into her own as, as who she was individually. Um, but they, they've kind of had a base level of who this character is for a long time. I need that to be shaken by this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a dramatic sense of follow through, I think, will be really important. Mm-hmm. Um, if only because one of the problems with the sh- with specifically Arrowverse Palanti superhero shows is that they don't always follow through on this kind of stuff. Or if they do, it's never for a long-term period. So hopefully Supergirl will be the exception to that rule. I also would very much, very, very much like to see progression with Nia's sister down the line. Yes. And a return to that. And... Um... Yeah, we'll we'll see, but I will be really frustrated if this is the only time we see her family just to have her beautiful, supportive home life ripped away from her yeah. um, with just her father left. Um, yeah, that, that's going to be a problem. So we'll we'll see. I hope they come back to it. Um, any other episodes you wanted to mention this week? Right, so Fresh Off the Boat had a really great episode with um, Legends of the 40th where uh, Lewis turns 40 and Jessica has to reconcile the fact that she's not particularly good at the love languages, <laughs> um, which was a fun whole bit, um, especially when Lewis was the fifth love language and honey refused to give away the ending to the love language book. <laughs> um, but generally I thought this episode was just really, really funny. And I really appreciated just for Lewis cha cha for just way too long. That joke should have been not funny at some point, but God bless Randall Park and his Randall ability Park can to move, just, man. A, he can move, but B, that was just deeply, deeply funny. Um, so I really enjoyed Legends of the 40th. I thought it was really funny. And uh, what about you? Were there any other particular episodes that you wanted to mention? Well, first of all, they should have realized that what was drawing him to Legends of the Fall more than anything is Brad Pitt's hair. Yes. And- oh God, that wig was so good. He looked so good in that wig, Kate. <laughs> and like that, and like the, that, along with the sense of togetherness and family, was really meaningful. But it was more about the hair than the actual camping. They are inside yeah. cats, as they say. Um, that was a fun episode, definitely. I caught up with a bunch of stuff this week. Uh, I want to mention Grownish, Love Galore. I really liked their pivot back towards Zoe's styling in this, and the 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 instigating factor of Michelle Obama coming to their design class, like right after she dropped the design class and that just putting her into a tailspin was really terrific. Uh, I'm sorry. Just, I was so happy watching. I'm sorry this week. It's one of those ones. It's become one of the ones I just like, I run to first and I don't know that I'm going to remember it at the end of the year. Like I, you know, last time I don't think I did. I think it was like top 20, top 30, but I don't, you know, but I just so love the dynamic. Like it, they're right up there 
they're not quite vying in Hollywood, but they're close. I love that mm-hmm. couple dynamic at the center of yeah. I'm sorry. There's a lot of really good stuff this this episode. Last episode also with um, yeah, there was some really good stuff with comedians taking bits too far that yes. like very funny. Uh yeah. Then Charmed, I got to shut out because they they had Jaime Camille play a uh, a character just like a just like a bitchy choir director uh that was really delightful and fun and he just like chewed the the scenery for it which was completely appropriate i really didn't like the sub like the theme of taking away the power of the sirens and having like he him be the demon or the creature that conducted and arranged the music for the sirens and so like and gave them their power it's like come on, let's give mythological, like, female monsters and beasts and demigods and all this. Let's not take away their power and ascribe it to a man on Charmed. I mean, that feels so very off-brand. But they really were not thinking of that aspect of the show. I'm very confident. Um, But no, I I am still enjoying following Charmed. There's one other one. That it just came to mind, so that I should mention, but it, it slipped back away, so I guess it wasn't that significant to mention. Next week, I'll have some thoughts on the um, season finale of uh, Outlander, which aired this week. Oh, uh, Star Trek had it, D- Discovery, which apparently, Noel, did you know this? In the At least in the AV Club over in the comments sections, they call it Star, Star Trek Disco. And I love that. <laughs> but it had, yeah, sure. it, it had its most... Um, Star Trek episode yet like there's an away mission to the planet they got to make sure that they don't break the prime directive and the they have they can't find out about technology it was just very trek um and it wasn't like a great all-time episode but it just felt it was like this level of comfortable and familiar to the beats and language of trek that was really very very nice <laughs> and very comforting as a trekkie um though not an indicator of an overall quality of the show it's it's an interesting thing to consider with with discovery however the episode of the week for me i gotta give it to craziest girlfriend yeah same yeah it was just so funny it was delightful now we will take a break listen to seasons of love from rent live and come back with our thoughts on rent live and everything that happened and why you should cast understudies we'll be right back after this
That was Seasons of Love, as performed by the original Broadway cast of Rent, with uh, along with the cast of Rent Live. Let's start with that. Let, what did you think of the actual live part of Rent Live, Noel? Uh, it was fine. Um, if, if I hadn't known that was a pre-planned segment, I would have assumed it was a... Um, oh God, we need to hurry. Thank goodness everyone's available. Um, <laughs> type of thing to, um, make up for the fact that they were not live. I thought it was nice. Um, it was a good reminder that all of these people have a, um, still got it. Like hardcore still got it. I wanted to hear more, uh, Adam Pascal. I couldn't really, the camera didn't find him too much. No, the camera seemed not able to find him or Anthony Rapp very much, so yeah. I'm not quite sure what was happening there. Um, but no, you're right; they, they're still all yeah. very good. Yeah, they're and they're still they still like know how to pull like a camera and pull how know how to pull attention, mm-hmm. and so that matters a lot. But I also just appreciated the fact that seeing Jesse L. Martin on this stage, going like, "All right, we're going to perform." I also went. Wait, you just dressed like Joe. <gasps> you just you just show up to work. You show up to the flash <laughs> just dressed exactly how you dress in real life, I think, Jesse. And kudos to you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's funny you see him at other like events and stuff, and it's like, ah, I see what okay, I see where that costuming comes from. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, it's not costuming. He just shows up with his own clothes. <laughs> yeah. It was as someone who knows rent really well. Um, okay. I have a lot of it memorized down uh-huh. to the um the voicemails and the tune-ups um it was really interesting to watch um and and it was also like almost distracting at times not so much in one way because of the the random the seemingly random cuts that they made some of them made sense some of them really didn't to me um but because of the costuming and very specifically for Collins. Cause I was like, well, you aren't Jesse L. Martin. Why are you wearing Jesse L. Martin's costume? Yes. <laughs> was it, first of all, how familiar are you with rent? Like the original rent, um, the Broadway cast or the different taped productions. Um, and did you have a similar issue? So, this is a terrible way to experience Rent for the first time, I have to assume, but this was, like, the first time I really, like, sat down with Rent in any capacity. Um, I grew up in the 90s, so I it was basically impossible to avoid Seasons of Love. Um, so I know Seasons of Love, but that's about it. I think, like, the only other song that I'm sort of, like, passingly familiar with is their version of uh, uh, La Vie Bohème. And yeah, yeah. And then, like, that's about it. Um, and so it's one of those things where I'm, like, know generally the arc of the show okay. from cult- cultural os- osmosis and iconography of stuff. So basically, I had, like, the same thought you did when I saw Brandon Victor uh, Dixon, who plays Collins here, and I just went, but that's that's exactly the costume. It's not exactly the costume, but it might as well have been exactly the costume yeah. that Martin wore in the original slash in the movie, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so like that part in like, I just went, that's, that is right. But that's also really weird sort of thing that we didn't do anything else here. But also if we're going to replace Jesse L. Martin in anything, Brendan Victor Dixon is the person to replace him in something. <laughs> um, cause he's really good even here. 
So I think that, like I said, this is not a great way to experience Ren for the first time, but it also confirmed the fact that I don't know what the second act of this show is at all. (laughs) And I don't know what this show necessarily is on the whole. And I can't tell if this is the show itself or just this staging of it. But I was like, this is kind of boring and not super good in a lot of ways and i do think that some of this is the show and that it kind of got frozen um in time in a lot of ways yeah um just down to just the really bad oh marine bisexuality stuff which is just really not great in this show i think but i think that there's still good things like the tango marine i think is really well executed but i do think that there's just it's not a good show for me, and this was not a good way to experience it for the first time. Yeah, it's um, Rent is a show that I love. Yeah, but I've not seen it live. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the the soundtrack recording Inside and Out, and I also am very. I mean, I've also played Bohem, and this is an adaptation of Bohem. So uh, I'm always. Uh, very entertained when I see people talk about how it's such a dated story. Because I'm like, you guys realize it's a remake, right? Like, this is not a story from the 90s. It's adapting a timeless story about the struggling, the lives of the struggling artists and they took consumption and replaced it with AIDS. But they took a pre-existing, massively successful, like, one of the most popular operas in the world, most performed operas in the world, which is where, you know, like, Roger's song is the melody is taken from Musetta's Waltz from La Boheme, hence the line that doesn't uh, we will write a song that doesn't remind us of Musetta's Waltz. Um, And then adapted into this and so while elements of the show are very dated certainly it always was a story about characters who are like in their we're like 19 20 21 many of them extremely entitled from who clearly have like parents sending them money who are artists who feel like they shouldn't have to have a day job and are wrong <laughs> about a lot of things in life. They're also right about lots of things, but they are they are very immature. Many of them, most of them, like Joanne is a good contrast to to Maureen, for example. Um, but instead of actually grappling with the decisions that that they that these characters will face ten years on, five years on, where they have like Mark, right? He's got to get a job, and so he ends up working for like this tabloid. And before he quits and is able to to not have to do that because the story ends without them actually having paid the rent. Um, like it's it's there's a lot about this show that is like these characters are not necessarily great people. Like they they're all so happy to 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 condemn Benny, and Benny is a jerk. Uh, but when Mimi needs to go to rehab, the only reason she is able to go to rehab and then survives and doesn't die at that point in the story is because he has money <laughs> and he can afford to pay for her rehab you know and it doesn't inte- it doesn't investigate these elements it doesn't have the show does not have the maturity to really examine that stuff in a deeper level and maybe it would have if Jonathan Larson had been able to right. finish like finish the show like yes he he wrote the the show and they premiered the show but 
he was, in my opinion, I don't know anything. I don't know anybody in the Larson family. I don't, I haven't read any books on this, but just as a musician, he was not done working on this show when he died because there's no way the people who were the same guy who writes Seasons of Love and I'll Cover You Reprise and some of these other things looks at my eyes and is like, yep, completed project. That's a terrible song. The lyrics are laughably bad. Um, so that, your eyes when we said our goodbyes can't get them out of and it's like it's like the rhymes are just i mean and if it's supposed to be a terrible song then great but it's not not the way that it's used you know you sort of have to if you're watching you sort of chuckle because like as you're watching like oh this is a terrible song but it's the kind of song that these people all think is super deep in this moment but then like 10 years on they'll be like oh yeah that song was when they're in their 30s, you know, they'll be like, oh, that song was so bad. I'm so glad I wrote better ones after that, you know. Um, so it's it's this this show that I have such a deep affection for and that I think does so much interesting stuff. But also, I have not precious about it. I, am, I do not have this. For me, it's not like this great, perfect piece of art that um, can't like I, I would again, I would love to see the version of Rent that Jonathan Larson got to really finish. Or I would like to see the show that he made after this and the show he made after that, you know, that unfortunately we never got to see. So, um, I mean, and also of course, as a musician, as someone who loves opera, I really enjoy that aspect of the show as well. I really, I love that it is a rock opera that they sing a lot of their dialogue. Um, and that gets kind of cut and tweaked and adjusted for this. Um, so yeah, I have no problem <laughs> with like saying I love this show, but also parts of it are not good, but I still love it. And I still get, you know, certain parts I'm going to laugh every time I see it. At certain parts I'm going to get choked up if the actors are at all decent. And an essential part of the show is for me, the the knowledge that no, 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 these characters are wrong. <laughs> They're dealing with stuff. <laughs> um, and the, it, the show brought attention to, uh, uh, the HIV epidemic and AIDS and also was this beautiful, you know, piece of representational uh, art for queer couples in, in, you know, in went mainstream in such a huge way and was so meaningful to like an entire generation of theater fans. And I'm not trying to take anything away from that, but um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting show because it's not a null show. <laughs> yeah. And it's not a null show when it is perfectly produced. Probably. Probably, um, yeah. And this was not at all. So shall we talk for a moment about the stupidity of the decision to just air the dress rehearsal where clearly people were not really going for it vocally? Yeah, it was a... I don't understand. Like, I understand it from a television executive perspective of like, we need to do this. We need to show the show. We paid a lot for the licensing for this. We need to show it. Um, and I understand that. And it, there's a degree of honoring sort of the work that they put in to establish like all the camera work, cinematography, and the run through that was necessary to do that, even though the cinematography is not particularly good. And it's at borderline, sometimes deeply, deeply bad. And there's a lack of lingering in a number of cuts that I'm just like, I don't understand why this is being directed this way in any way, shape or form at all. Um, and I think part of that also boils down to the fact that this set is not good. 
in how kind of scattered it is throughout that space. This is the same issue that Greece kind of ran into, but at least with Greece it worked because they were all sort of connected to a certain certain in a certain way whereas this it was just like, all right, we've got audience literally everywhere. So what are we going to do here? And I think that that may have motivated some of their decisions, but based on people's response to the concert performance that they basically did for the audience that showed up for the actual live show you should have just aired that (laughs) well and also can we just take a moment here to to talk about disability awareness yes the message that this sends because there's large swaths of this show just have him in a chair right that's the other thing is just like Roger doesn't need to move around a whole lot in this show. He Roger's very rarely like upstairs, and if even if he is, just reblock it. Yeah, like and, and granted, they had like no notice. It was the day before, but yeah. still, a lot of his stuff you can do with him in a chair. Yeah, you can he's... do with him sitting at a table, and yeah, like you, you have can. to get creative with like Mimi and and the candle. Like yes. Don't get me wrong, but everybody knows he broke his leg. He broke his ankle. So, like, if you don't have an understudy, which is fucking stupid, but if you don't have an understudy, like, if anyone will go with you, it is theater people. And that's who's watching Rent. Yeah. And, I mean, the the lack of the understudy is just sort of mind-boggling to me because... Like, when they're singing Rent and they're going, we're not going to pay, I just went, for an understudy! <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Because, <laughs> no, it's it's just so weird that they didn't have one. And I'm sure that this is just a contract issue of, like, this is already really pro- heavy, pro- heavy production costs that mm-hmm. arguably aren't going to return a whole lot for them. Um, but... Get an understudy, everyone. Like it's not you. It's not hard, and you should do it. There's mm. a reason most shows have like two to three understudies for a single part. <laughs> yeah. Well, and depending on like, and you, that's why you have swing members of the ensemble yeah. who can, if they need to, can come in. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of this stuff. They it just really blows up. Like you could still do Love Evil M and just have him sitting over to the side. Is it awkward? Yeah, but. I I feel bad. I can't really give a critique of most of this show because I don't feel like I have an accurate read on how they would have done if they had known that they were being recorded and this is what was going to be broadcast. And I I wouldn't be surprised if there was very much an awareness of, in Jesus Christ Superstar Live, the actors who were less um, experienced with, uh, like the, like who aren't the Broadway people, you know, who are used yeah. to doing, you know, eight shows a week, uh, lost their voices by the end because they had yeah. been pushing and pushing and pushing. And so like, like there was a couple, you know, there's a couple of actors, uh, performers who were fabulous, really, really good. And Jesus Christ Superstar Live, but their voices started to go. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was a note or if that was something the actors were very cognizant of the ones with less, you know, this level of performance experience, um, of marking the vocals instead of really going for it because they just didn't want to, you know, throw out, throw out their voice. Um, but then you, if if you this is your backup video and you know that your plan is to show this if anything happens, then you got to tell them that so that yeah. they can go all out. So and and it just doesn't make sense. Like I I I have to assume Valentina is a better singer than we saw. 
Because otherwise, why would they cast her? Right. Yeah. And so what do you do then? And how does that work? And yeah. So like, like Valentina yeah. was not good. She was bad. No. She was good in contact. Uh, her little couple of vocal things in like when Angel dies. Yes. I thought were very good. And I was to the point where I was like, huh, wait, is that part easier for her? Or is that just like she wasn't really going for it in the other ones because she was out of tune and not very good in her her other songs and low energy in Today for, uh, for You, Tomorrow for Me, like in a way that was surprising to me. From from Valentina. And same thing with some of the other cast as well. Of course, Brandon Victor Dixon like went all out because yeah. he's a pro. Uh Vanessa Hudgens, I thought crushed it. Was really she's good. She's so good. She she's she was so deep in Marine. Even in a rehearsal, I just went, Oh, sweetie. Yeah. That was so good. Like that that long pause before she does the note because she's trying to figure out like in yeah. character, like, what am I supposed to do here? Yeah. And it's just, it's so good. And it's just like, there's no reason for you to be that committed. But like you said, with Dixon, it's just like, I'm a pro. We're going to yeah. do this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Kiersey Clemens, I thought, was also really good as Joanne. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and, and she's got some tricky numbers. Yeah, she does. Uh, that character does. And and she was really good. Take Me For What I Am was really good. They're lucky <laughs> that those three actors really went for it. Because the other ones, like, when you get to the live part of the show, it's like, oh, they're really good. Oh, good. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that from what I saw. <laughs> I was also really appreciating some of the tweets I saw as I followed this after the fact. I watched it later than everybody else. Um, So it took me a while to figure out what was going on. Because, like, I was like, wait a second. How is Brady Victor... Victor Victor Dixon, sorry, tweeting while he's on TV. And then I did some Googling and figured out what was going on. Um, but I was enjoying, was it, maybe it was Tom and Lorenzo, Tom from Tom and Lorenzo, talking about getting a new appreciation for Anthony Rapp's delivery in the original Broadway cast on, on things like La Vie Boheme, just because there was too much like mush mouth. Because <laughs> um, the actor who was playing Mark did a good job, but it was like, oh, I, Mark, like Rapp's Mark is really like kind of twitchy and like over enunciates and it's like oh and that's why because he's got so many words in such a short span of time and they got to be able to understand it in the back of the room that's why like so so some of the, it was interesting to have this cast to compare to my detailed knowledge of the original recording but that's good like i think that's one of the values of being familiar with sort of familiar with different productions which I am not when it comes to pretty much any sort of live theater. Mm -hmm. And so, well, like, I really like Jordan Fisher, who played Mark. It was also like, well, first of all, from a costuming perspective, why does this good Jewish boy have a nose ring? Because he's not getting into a Jewish cemetery now. Mm -hmm. um, so questions there from a just a costuming perspective. But also that the character as Jordan performs him, um, I think is generally fine, but it also just never has any specificity to it. And again, this comes to a rehearsal perspective of like, well, were you just hanging back on that? Or are we going to like have some something more to this performance than what I'm getting in the rehearsal? Because as like a performance performance thing, it just generally felt kind of flat. Um, acknowledging the fact that the character is sort of thankless, especially in the second half where it's just like, I have to chain together all these events. Mm -hmm. I'm here <laughs> to do plot. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Um, I thought that uh, 
Yeah, some of the numbers were worked better than the other ones. Um, but yeah, this is not a good. This is not a good one to base on if whether you appreciate the show. I think is not. This is like yeah, there's stuff that works, and you get us some of a semblance of it. But I feel like if you already know the show, you can appreciate what they're doing well and what you might tweak for the other stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if you want to just like just ball your eyes out, go listen to I'll Cover You by Jesse L. Martin. Because Brenda Victor, Victor Dixon, I thought, did a, did a good job. I would have liked to see what he would have done live. Um, everybody else seems to have loved it a lot more than I did. Um, but, and that's a very affecting moment, but for me, the the original is, is more impactful. The, uh, the, the, there were some really weird lyric changes. Um, like in the, uh, when they're at the, the, the meeting with the, for the support group, um, yeah. there's a line, uh, because reason says I should have died three years ago. And they changed it to six months ago or three months ago or something like that. Why? Like it's what, what that doesn't make any sense. Why did you change that one word? What's the purpose of that? Um, uh, and there were some other weird things like that, like the words that they got away with, like Leslie Dyke, they got yeah. they, they got those in there, but they didn't get dildo. They cut all the references to dildos, which shows up in Lovey Boem. Like so, so some of these, like what could and could not come through, was really odd. Um, and some of like if you know the show, there were some other really jarring cuts. But that's I mean, I also appreciate it's a long, it's a long show, so they I, they had to cut some stuff. I like that this is the stuff that we focus on as yeah. opposed to when I guess um, Collins is singing about his students loving much, much preferring to watch television than read a book that stays in, even though this is a televised performance. And I just mm-hmm. went, I don't quite understand what's happening here right now. Show <laughs> <laughs> that other- was something you should have caught. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the other uh, part that, uh, I wanted to, uh, the other person I wanted to mention was, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce her name, Keela Settle, is that her name? Um, who did Seasons of Love and did the high note. Um, she was in the, sh- uh, the that Hugh yeah. Jackman, Zac Efron, uh, Zendaya musical as well, about Barnum, uh, P.T. Barnum. Greatest Showman. Yeah, she was in Greatest Showman as well. Um, and not only did she crush it, but then when they, at the end, when they did Seasons of Love again, she did it again, but her mic was not on, and you could still hear her because she's lady again, ladies of pro. <laughs> like she was getting picked up on the other mics because she so crushed it. So you could at least hear that part of it. Um, were there any other performances? Were there any moments that were effective for you, or not? Just really, not not so much. No, nothing really landed for me, and that was really disappointing because, I mean, in part, this was co-directed by one of the folks who oversaw Jesus Christ Superstar, mm-hmm. so I was expecting uh, something a little more visually coherent than what we got. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about the swooping camera? Was it too much for you? Yeah, I didn't... It, See, here's here's a lot of my problem with a lot of camera work here, is that even based on this staging, this feels like a really intimate show, and the camera work doesn't convey that at all. 
And that's a big problem when you're doing something like this, where I feel distanced from a lot of the characters, even a lot of the ensemble in like the support group stuff. They feel really isolated from me in ways that doesn't make that doesn't make sense to me as an audience member watching from home. And so the swooping camera, the very mobile camera, um, just gets in the way of a lot of the stuff. So I'm thinking of like moments that I feel like should really hit um, pretty hard. Um, like, um, I guess um, when, sorry, hang on. When Angel, like when Angel dies, mm-hmm. um, just, I felt like that should, that should really hit me a lot harder than it is. Cause the staging's really nice, but it doesn't, it doesn't hit at all. It doesn't land in any way. And I'm not sure what was happening here. And even just like little bits of cutting, like with Maureen's over the moon, it was like, we're just cutting a lot. And I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think that there is, I feel like at some point there will be a good adaptation of Rent. A movie or another live musical or something. I think, because I think there is such power if you execute it well. And I don't know if it just needs more distance. So it's something that won't happen for another 20, 30 years. Uh, so people feel more able to, um, like, th- there's less of a sacredness about the original. You know what I mean? So they feel like they can change the costumes. So the costumes don't have to be exactly the same as they were in the original production. Or um, cutting certain things or adding certain things. Uh, some of what they add here really works. Some of it doesn't. Like... Light My Candle, I think, is such a is a really good song, but if you don't really, if they don't really get you to feel that sh- this is a, a meat cute, but it's a meat cute of of a recovering addict and the girl who who really is, you know, they're they're supposed to be you're supposed to be rooting for them to get together, but she's coming to get a candle so that she can cook up her heroin. You're like this. <laughs> There's layers. There's a lot of stuff going on there. But if they don't really, if they just go for like the cutesiness of it and just focus on that and just don't really let you see all the grime underneath it, it doesn't, it's not as impactful. It doesn't really work the same way. And, um, I feel like there's just so, such a reverence that with this show that for me, it doesn't, it, it stops it from really landing as well as the material in here can. I don't know. Does that make sense? It does. It makes total sense. So I don't know. I And I say all this. I know Rent Heads will be mad at me. I love Rent. Don't get me wrong. Like, I will, you know, chuckle along <laughs> with some of those lyrics. Like anyone else, I was, I did miss the insane order of <laughs> 13 orders of fries. Is that it here? Um, for Love You Boem. Um, but, but yeah, I do... they still haven't quite nailed it. And the movie could have been great, but they used the original cast when they were 10 years too old, meaning they were focused on the wrong thing. They weren't focused on the essential early 20s-ness of this story so much as they were the performances, the really terrific actors from the original cast. Um, So I just hope at some point they get it right because, you know, I I feel like it's, it's already a great musical. There's so much potential there, but I just want it to, like... Next level, which I know is heresy to so many. Um, but I've been rambling too long. Um, so we should wrap this up. Any final thoughts 
on Rent Live. Are you still going to watch the next live musical? I think Hair is next. No, I really don't like Hair. I'm not um, familiar with it at all, other than obviously a couple of the songs, Age of Aquarius. Yeah, no, I'm not a. I don't. Um, I don't like Hair, so no. Yeah. Um, I will not be tuning in for that. Um, one day they'll do a show that I'm semi interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, one day, one day. <laughs> It is pretty great that people could tune into Fox and just and see beautiful uh, queer love stories and um, at least a couple really great moments. You know, that's great. That's something that you wouldn't necessarily have anticipated at the start of this musical's craze that they would go from Sound of Music <laughs> to to Rent and, you know, simulated sex between lots of people <laughs> all over the place on network TV and primetime. So, you know, that's interesting at least. All the more reason to do hair next. Yeah. Like <laughs> the, the thing, if, if people know a thing about hair, they know it's the naked musical, right? Yeah. No, that's what people know about hair. It's the naked musical. <laughs> so it's just, it's, it's weird. <laughs> on that note, on the note of it's weird, a few show notes. You can find the post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail com. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there, or leave us a rating and review on iTunes. With we have an M4A chaptered feed and MP3 unchaptered feed. We're also up on Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings or reviews uh, either place. And we're both on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse. Noel, you are at Noel RK. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you, Noel. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Rent heads, hit me up. Let me know why I'm wrong and blasphemous and, and crazy. And I'm, you know, I'm. I'll happily hear your your. St- your impassioned pleas for why my eyes is such a great song. Um, I know I probably annoyed some musical theater fans, but that's okay. Um, so thank you again. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Mm-hmm.